Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everybody and welcome to Pod on the Tine, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is, of course, Taylor Payne and I'm joined here today by Chris Woff and Mr George Colgan coming up on the show. We're going to be answering your questions on all things Newcastle. We're going to be looking at the team performances, Steve Bruce's performance, also Mike Ashley's ownership and lots of other things, probably breakfast related, I would imagine. Uh... But before we get into that, what about that result against Spurs and that last 10 seconds uh, and the Callum Wilson penalty in the 97th minute? What the hell was going on there? Well, I mean, I have to say that... Uh, well, hello, everyone. Uh, I have to say that the uh, I'm still absolutely laughing my cock off at the last two seconds <laughs> of the match, and I'm still weeping salty oh. tears of despair at the previous 90, 90 minutes. Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean... Hilarious. I mean, let's not forget the comedy because it was really, really, really funny. Does it quite? Yeah. Does it quite make up for the what the shit that went before it? No, I'm afraid it doesn't. No, Chris, what do you think? Are your sides still splitting like George's? Hello, everyone. Yes, I mean it was the brilliant moment. Obviously, everyone watched when Mourinho stormed down the tunnel. Is always <laughs> yeah. a brilliant. Uh, moment, and I'm sure there was many Spurs fans uh, across the country and the world who did exactly likewise and probably just turned the TV off at that moment and walked out because it was, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> Newcastle United's get out of jail free card, which they've used many, many times over the last year. We, must have we a, can't must have many have left now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm just wondering if they've got like a, a, a pass which just never ends. It just seems that it keeps coming back. That seems to be the case. Well, now we've had a little chuckle. Let's crack on with the questions. We've had lots sent in by the listeners. Sorry if we don't get through to your questions, but we've got lots to cover. Um, they've been sent in via the hashtag pod on the time, which is what we're going to use for future reference. And uh, there's lots and lots to get through. So we're going to crack straight on with the question that is undoubtedly on everybody's lips at the moment. This is the the most thing, the most thing, this is the thing that we've been asked the most about. Um, and the question comes from Craig Thompson. And it is, is Goal the best ever football film or Jesus is Goal Christ. 2? Let's please direct that question at George. George, would you like to answer that I'm question? Ser- I'm a serious journalist. <laughs> right, well, no one took that seriously. Um, I haven't seen it. I've, to- I've admitted to this. I haven't seen either of them. I haven't seen any of them. My favourite football film is Gregory's Girl. If you're going to do that, then you have to include Kez as well, don't you? Yeah, There's that's quite a good. bit of football in Kez. Yeah, that's good. I like Jimmy Grimble. We should have. I should have looked at these questions. You should have shown me these questions before, and I might have had an answer. I haven't seen Goal. I'm sorry to disrespect the memory, the sacred memory of Santiago Munez, but I've never seen it. I think we need to do a podcast special on the Goal series. Chris well, and I are going to write. Just Chris and I are going to write about it. We're going to write about it. So are you going to watch it all beforehand? Yes, I'll have to do that. 
Good. Okay. I apologise. <laughs> no problem. Now we've got that out of the way, let's crack on. Uh, Keegan Carr has asked, does the fact that we are collecting points cancel out the fact of how bad we are playing? Chris, what do we reckon? I wouldn't say it cancels it out, but if they say if we get to this weekend and Newcastle were to beat Burnley, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, and if they were to get through to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup, then I think if you'd given the points tally that Newcastle would have, probably be in the top eight maybe by then, and being the last eight of the League Cup by the first international break, I think most people would have taken it. I think the issue is that we feel, as we did at large parts of last season, that the way they're playing is not sustainable. They've sustained it so far, but I do think that at some point we need to, we do need to see progress. That's that exactly was what happened last season. Uh, points points cancelled out performances, and they got to where they were on the table. That was a huge relief to all of us, and we got to the end of the season with you know breathing out in uh, in, in relief, but uh, thinking that it was in no way you know possible that they could carry on doing that you would think that it isn't sustainable in the long run but um you know they're they're still very much a, a work in progress i mean it definitely feels like we're, we're getting away with it a little bit at the moment doesn't it i mean we we came up against a west ham team who who weren't firing they just weren't up for it that day and we and we beat them 2-0 although they they did have chances and they hit the bar and all sorts of stuff uh, and then you know we 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 play Morgan. Uh, we get we get absolutely stuffed off Brighton. We play Morgan and we have a nice a nice seven 0 win. And then the Spurs game, we just didn't even look like attempting to be involved in the game. It was just it was so passive. That's the thing that's annoying me at the minute. That's that's what I find so frustrating about Newcastle is how passive they are. Yeah, I completely agree. It's not been impressive. I, part part of me thinks that the way they played against Spurs. A couple of seasons ago, when that was happening, even last season to a certain extent, you could sort of forgive it because the crowd would be in the stadium and mm-hmm. every tackle would get a big cheer and every clearance would get a cheer and then every break, you know, there would be a roar behind. And that's not how any of us dream of Newcastle playing. But for that sort of short term, certainly first couple of years of after coming back into the Premier League, you think, OK, well, it's about staying up. It's about stabilising. I can see what's happening and we can kind of get behind it as a short-term philosophy. Okay, so Tom Coates has asked, Hi all, hi Tom. Uh, given the number of Central Midfield Academy graduates in the squad, could you pick one of Sean Longstaff, Matty Longstaff and Dan Barlaza, Chris, or Barlasar? I think it's Barlasa. Barlasa to sell one, loan one and one to keep. So out of Matty Longstaff, Sean Longstaff and Dan Barlasar, uh, sell one, loan one and one to keep, what would we go with? That's like the snog, shag, marry question, isn't it? I mean, it's not exactly like it. but um, no, except totally different. Uh, except totally different. It's a bit like that, Tom. Um, I'm definitely not going to answer that. I would definitely say the one to loan would be Matty Longstaff because I think he needs game time. I think that that would be to his benefit because yeah. I don't think he's going to play that much this season. He's injured at the minute. I know a lot of people are asking where he is, but he has got a bit of a thigh injury. Um I think I'll have to go and as although I like him and I wish he I would like him to have done well. I just think Dan Barlasa probably has had his time, so I'd sell him and then keep Sean Longstaff because he's probably the closest to to being a first team player at the minute. But I suppose he is a first team player. But, yeah, uh, sure. hasn't hasn't necessarily shown that over the last few months. But yeah, I think we know what Sean Longstaff's capable of, though, don't we? And we we, we have seen yeah. him do it. And I think I agree with you when you're saying about Matt. He does need games. Uh, yeah, I would probably have to agree with Chris there. What about you, George? Any difference on that? Yeah, I don't see any point in disagreeing. Okay, good. That's not like you. 
Uh, following on for that in a similar sort of vein, why do we lack creativity in the midfield? Uh, sorry, I've missed the name off on this one, but not to worry. We'll f thank you, whoever it is who sent this one in. Uh, why do we lack creativity in the midfield? Does Hayden offer anything creatively or... Is he overrated like John Joe, who is not consistent? How dare so you. I think what he's saying is that How John Joe is I know <laughs> anonymous person. That's why you've left the name off so George doesn't abuse them. <laughs> Have George turn up at the house. Um well, so George, Hayden, what's he offering at the moment? Well, he isn't offering creativity. I mean that's that's for definite, but that's not his no. job. And no. not, uh, not as a right centre back. And certainly not as a <laughs> right centre back. Not. And what he does offer is if if he's playing alongside Shelby, then he's the one that does Shelby's running for him. Um, yeah. If you look at Spurs and you look at Brighton, then Shelby played really badly. He is he is arguably Newcastle's most talented player. If you, if that's what you want to, uh, if if that's how you rate it in terms of being able to pass the ball and being able to pass the ball long. But uh, you know we've had we've had our own. Uh, debates about Shelby and Shelby's worth. When he's off form, he is a liability. I'll go. I'll repeat that um, statement that I've previously said before, and then and then taken back myself because yeah. I was proved to be an idiot. But when he's not, <laughs> when the team don't play well and he doesn't play well, he gives away possession far too much. But I don't think it's fair to say he's not creative. I mean, I think that's what he is. It's just that when it doesn't work, it looks awful. And yeah. Hayden, Hayden is the is the man alongside him who disrupts play, picks up possession, gives the ball simply. Um, I don't think Hayden's overrated. I think he's a really he's a really good player at what he does. But asking him to storm, uh, storm through midfield and do something is asking the wrong question. I'd agree with George. I think the issue I've got with Newcastle's midfield. I mean, Bruce, I know you would like sort of box-to-box -box type, as he calls them. I know you'd like a bit more power and legs in there. But I think part of the issue, and we saw this at Spurs, and I know these players can sometimes be criticised, but Newcastle don't have someone who, like a metronomic sort of passer, someone who just gets the ball, passes it on to someone else, and they keep possession. Newcastle just give mm. the ball away all the time. And so I think in those sorts of games, that's the type of player that they lack. They lack someone in midfield who will have the most touches of the ball, will make the most passes, and they may not be the most incisive ones, but it yeah. allows them to get on the ball and keep possession. That's what I think they really do lack in there. Yeah, just somebody who can recycle it a bit and, and, and take the pressure off us. But the main problem I have with Shelby is just how inconsistent he is. There'll be a week when he'll be spraying 40, 30-yard balls around and he looks absolutely unplayable. He finds space, he's he's got vision and, he, and he's picking players out. Uh, and then there's weeks when he just doesn't look arsed even slightly. I thought against Spurs, towards the last sort of 20 minutes of the game, I know he was getting tired and stuff, but I actually made a point of watching him for a, for a good five minutes and there was a point when Spurs were attacking around our box and he literally stood still for about five minutes. He didn't move. And I just thought, that's not good. You can't be carrying players like that. Do you know what I mean? And I get we're 3-0 down and I get you tired and all that sort of stuff, but it's it's just not good enough, is it? No, and there aren't really alternatives. That's the problem uh, at yeah. the moment. I mean, I think we you know, we actually thought them, there were a few few options there at the start of the season, perhaps. But, you know, Sean Longstaff has come in and played in the cup games and, you know, has just looked way off it. Matty Longstaff... Is further down the natural pecking order and isn't fit. And once you kind of get beyond that, there isn't really a lot of there isn't really a lot of choice. It would be good to have some variation. I guess that's a it's a position Hendrick could play in. Yeah. Um, you know, he 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 might be able to drive the team a bit more, but certainly not in terms of creativity. You're looking at elsewhere for creativity, really. If you've got pace around it with St. Maximar, with Fraser, with Almiron, then 
you know, perhaps you do need a more solid base in in the middle of midfield. But yeah. as of yet, we have not seen the balance, have we? We haven't seen the balance, no. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Sean Saunders, uh, will watching Newcastle United ever be fun again? George, what do we think? Well, I mean, that's a very flawed question, Sean, <laughs> because you're presupposing that watching it Newcastle has, has, has ever been fun. <laughs> and I suppose it must have been yeah. at some point in my life. It's just I can't remember it. I do think it will be uh, at some point, but um, with what we've seen so far this season, it hasn't quite been the evolution that we were we were hoping for. Um, there is still time. I suppose we have to remember that the new players haven't been here very long. We still haven't seen Fraser properly embedded into the league team. St. Maximan has been out. So yeah. I still have a bit of hope that this team can, can play a bit better, but... Uh, well, probably no is the answer. I mean, yes. Yes, yes, but no. No, but yes. Chris, fun? Is that the kind of thing you're into? Or just nah, too much too much, really, yeah, too too much, much energy needed for that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, though, Chris? Do you think Newcastle could ever be fun? Do you think this team, this team, this setup could ever be fun to watch? Yeah. Do I think that watching Newcastle as a, as a whole is ever going to be fun? No. <laughs> Chris, oh, uh, Chris... Chris shaking up the uh, neighbourhood there with his uh, go-to attitude and upbeat tone of voice. I think there could be a fun team in there, you know. I, I genuinely think that front, if we get that midfield, attacking midfield three of, of Fraser, Almiron and Sam Maximin all firing, all fit, with Callum Wilson in front of them and a solid midfield and with Jamal Lewis flying down one side uh, and Mankio on the other side, I think that could be a fun team to watch, you know. I just... It, a lot of it ifs. just feels. I know it's it's a lot of ifs, but it feels like that to me. Seems like the 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 right team, the right eleven to yeah. play, and it would be attacking. And I mean, I watched loads of games this weekend. I had I, I didn't have an awful lot to do over the weekend, so I watched a lot of football. And even the the teams in the Premier League, um, who who you would class as not being brilliant teams, they all had a bit of attacking intent about them. And it didn't matter who they were playing. They got the ball down. They tried to get it forward. The the, the strikers were running the channels. The midfield players were were joining in the attacks. I mean, Sheffield United and Leeds. Did you watch that game? It was it was only one nil. It was unbelievable. Every single attack, there was about eight players in the box for both teams. And I just watched our game and I thought, why are we not trying to play higher up the pitch? Why do we have to be so passive all the time? Um, and it just gets frustrating, doesn't it? Bruce has t- talked about that today in his presser ahead of the uh, Newport game. And he does, you know, he does want to transition to a different style. He wants to get to the point where they're comfortable playing four at the back. Although he has also said that that probably won't be the case against the bigger teams. Um, so perhaps we've got more of that to sort of look forward to against against the sort of top four, top five, top six teams. Uh, it's... I think but then we did think, it against Brighton as well, George. So I know I I, you know. I agree. I know I agree. Albeit, <laughs> like... albeit, I don't think that was I don't think that was sort of intentional. I think it was very intentional to sit back, yeah, uh, at, at Spurs and kind of soak up pressure and try and hit them on the counter. I don't think that was particularly the tactic against Brighton, but that's how it ended up because Brighton just had the ball and Newcastle were terrible on the ball. I, I think when you go through those players. And and that team, it still sounds to me like a counter-attacking team. I mean, I, I I just think that that's how it feels because it feels like this pace. We've said this a few times now. That's how that's how Wilson and Fraser in particular played at Bournemouth towards the end. They yeah. were, and 
St. Maximan can get the ball at the pitch. All those play, you know, Almiron, he needs space. They need space to run into. And so I, mm. I, I still think it's set up as a team that's not going to be particularly comfortable on the ball or having possession and trying to get through teams who are who are hanging back. I just don't think that's going to be easy for this Newcastle team. It, they should be better. They should be better on the break. And they should, they, they should be more cohesion. There just hasn't been any cohesion so far. And it's very difficult to sort of, if you bounce through, if you bounce through the three league games so far. Look at West Ham. Okay, decent performance, but it has Andy Carroll up front. That's not going to last for very long. You know, that's not going to last for very long as an yeah. idea. And then the same team, the same team against Brighton, and it was felt disastrous. It felt disastrous again for different reasons against Spurs, albeit with a frigging hilarious last. Minute. I mean, I think it's important to, <laughs> that we collectively just laugh our heads off at what knowledge that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so mm. Steve Bruce is being asked lots of questions about this, about what he's trying to do, about style, about formations, and yeah. there isn't really an easy answer to it because it it feels like it's been all over the place. I mean, just to just to carry on with that, Ryan Lucas asked, I would like a deep dive into our tactics. We might not be the right people to do that, but under Rafa, we had a shape, uh, but still not an awful lot of threat going forward at first. But then later on, obviously, with Rondon and, and Almiron and Perez for that last half season, we had, we had more threat going forward. Uh, there's been little to no movement for at least the last five years. I think he's saying there's a lack of movement at the top half of the pitch. What do we think on that? Well, I mean, in terms of a deep dive into tactics, hopefully at some point we're going to do a podcast looking at this. And so I think spending a yeah. lot of time on that now is probably not a good idea. What I would say is that what I've thought over the, over the last few months is when people criticise playing three-man solid defence, five-man backline, whatever you want to call it, that in itself is not is not necessarily negative. I think it's the, the style and the way that you do actually yeah. put that into to play. And I think that's where... I mean, I wasn't in Bruce's press conference today, so I can't really comment exactly on what he said. I don't know the context behind it. George was. But when I've seen his sort of comments about it's got nothing to do with style, well, then the question has to be, what has it got to do with them? Why are they so passive? Why are they playing in such a way? What are the instructions? And that's where I've got a little bit of a problem with the minute because it, under Benitez, at least for a period, it did look like they could transition from defensive to attack, whereas they're really struggling to do that at any sort of, with any sort of cohesion at the minute. I think the point he was making when he says that, when it hasn't got anything to do with style, what he's trying to say is it's got more to do with inconsistency. So you're going from one week where it worked, uh, where there was, you know, nobody was particularly questioning the tactics after West Ham. The same team, the same formation plays against Brighton. Everybody questioned the formation and tactics because it was so bad. I think what he's saying there is that it's that inconsistency in performance that is the problem. Uh, so I do understand. I do understand what he means by that. Um, it's just that when again, if you look at kind of all three games, sort of in isolation, two of those games have been really, really poor with different formations and no kind of real semblance of. You, you don't come away from that thinking, oh well, I can see what he was trying to do there, but it just hasn't worked. So I think he's. He's never going to be the kind of manager who blinds us with science. He's not that kind of fella. He's not a kind of clipboard manager. He's not that kind of person in the way he speaks and thinks. He is perfectly happy and willing and capable of switching formations because he did it several times last season, often out of necessity. He's done the same thing already so far this season, starting with 4-4-2, moving to 
five at the back, three at the back at, at Spurs, and then changing things in games, he'll do it. It's just he won't blind us with the science of it. The point he's trying to make is that Newcastle aren't consistent. And it's he does have a point. Newcastle are a mid-table team who aren't good enough to be good. And that is a you know <laughs> yeah. that is a fact. Yeah, uh, local hero nine has asked if you, Chris Woff, could make one realistic signing for Newcastle before the window closes. Who would it be? Well, soon as uh, Frank Lampard seems to have suggested that Ruben Loftus Cheek may be available mm. for loan, I think he would be a good player Newcastle could bring in in terms of when we're talking about that additional creativity, that sort of link player Newcastle maybe lack. I think that Ruben yeah. Loftus Cheek could be could be a. A good potential loan signing. I would have to agree, but I don't think you're allowed by Premier League rules to have that much handsome in one team. <laughs> if we look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Will, I think that's just too much handsome. You're not allowed that much. What about you, George? One player? Uh, no. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a. I think I think that's a. I think that's a good answer. I mean, I don't really have. I don't think one player solves anything. I. I. I want. I mean, I hope that the club. Use the loan system and use it use it wisely. There is still obviously a big issue with getting people out, and yeah. um, that that has to happen. There are there are good loan options around the place. They just need to they just need to kind of use them carefully. I still want I still want backup up front. Um, you know, I think I think as you said, Taylor, when you look at the three or four players who could play in attacking positions they all look good but they also need to be challenged yeah. um they need to be challenged for their for their place Jalinton is going to obviously still be around the place we know that personally i'm i'm just worried if you look at the numbers of chances created i mean it is astonishing really that there've been three games so far and only three shots on target That's ridiculous isn't it uh, and them being three goals as well you know it's incredible and that is unsustainable Ladies and gentlemen, Harry's sponsors, Pod on the Tyne. Uh, as a listener to the podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover. And going to harrys.com, uh, Pod on the Tyne, right now, we'll get you that trial pack. That's harrys.com forward slash Pod on the Tyne. How come I have to read these all the time? Why can't we get George to do one of these sometime. George, you're the one who's used these Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. <laughs> I can do that. Wonderful. If you want me to do that, I'll just clip clip that. Here we go. Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, I would just like to give an honourable mention to Jalinton and his part in the lead-up to the, the free kick, which led to the penalty, uh, and his spearing-style WWE move on Pierre-Emil Heilberg? Heilberg? Chris, how do you pronounce that? I think it's Heiberg. Heiberg. Heiberg, yes. So that, that move by Jalinton, which I've not seen that move done very often in the Premier League, of essentially running towards and then throwing yourself at a, a, a defender. Uh, in order to get a free kick. That was an interesting one, wasn't it? It almost looked like he was playing rugby and he was trying to clear out a rook. It was quite... Uh, it was, uh, But it, it won the free kick. And I actually thought he did. I thought he was... 
and don't get me wrong, this has come from a fairly low base, but I do think he's <laughs> he played well on Sunday compared to many of his outfield teammates. I thought he held the ball reasonably well. I thought he may try yeah. and make ground down that left wing. And so um, I still don't think that he's a natural left winger by any stretch, but I do think no. that we saw sort of green shoots maybe. I think the thing is, if he had if he had cost eight to ten million pounds and he was playing as a... Uh, coming off the bench uh, or a squad player to play in those positions, you probably wouldn't be too bothered, would you? But I think it's that price tag which has got him every time, isn't it? I mean, he worked hard at Spurs and, you know, that kind of thing has been questioned, his attitude and things like that. I mean, I suppose if we're going to look at context and look at mitigation, you have to say that, uh, you know, we've, we've we've seen with how isolated Callum Wilson has been Um particularly in that game, that it's not just all about Jalinton, is it? I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's he's free of he's free of kind of culpability. Maybe that's a harsh maybe that's a harsh word, bearing in mind he just doesn't look equipped to do that role that we saw him in so many times last season. But it's not just I mean, he doesn't have the instinct of Callum Wilson. However, we saw that if you don't get the ball to the striker in a useful position he can't do anything with it. So there is a bit of mitigation for, for Jalinton there, I would guess. And yeah, I it was not a miraculous performance by any stretch of the imagination, but he did stick at it. He did work hard. And certainly in terms of those things, he was a cut above quite a few of his teammates. Let's move on a little bit here. We've done a lot of stuff on uh, on the team and sort of tactics and set up and all that sort of stuff and thank you for all the questions about that there was loads of them to get through uh, we're going to move on and talk about some other stuff now Steve Bruce uh, specifically um, Adam M has asked are Steve Bruce's Newcastle the luckiest shit team of all time I mean luck played a massive <laughs> luck played a massive part in some of the results that we got last season didn't it and it kind of looks as though that's uh, going to carry over into this season judging by what we've had so far George yeah, I mean, that was astonishing against Spurs, wasn't it? I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. To repeat, it was also fucking hilarious. <laughs> and it did yeah. it was it was very reminiscent of Everton away, where I was lucky enough to be in the away end for and you know, Newcastle were two nil down and then got get two goals in the ninety minute plus um through Lejeune and it was just hilarious. But they were outclassed in every department on Sunday, aside from the goalkeeping department. Um Darlow was fabulous, wasn't he? He was yeah, good, Carl Darlow. Yeah, he was he played really well. And Spurs should have been out of sight. And the thing is, you can laugh at that decision as a one off. If you're if you're talking about the bigger picture, it is ridiculous that you know that, that can be that, that can be a penalty. Um and you tend to think that that as things stand, that will come back to bite Newcastle at some point. And fair play to Steve Bruce, he's absolutely admitted all of this and held his hands up. Because if you don't get players in the box enough, you are not going to benefit from handball decisions in the in the box over a long term over a long term basis. And other teams will, and other teams will get will get handballs against Newcastle. So I would have loved to have been in the away end or to see the away end full. You have that kind of fabulous pantomime of uh, Mourinho walking straight down the tunnel. It's great. I love all that. I mean, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's funny. And my first reaction was just to laugh because it's so, it was so stupid and so ridiculous. But the the 90 minutes before that were awful to watch. Harrowing, <laughs> anger making. I can't really I can't really sort of disagree with that question. Um 
at all. Um, not good enough and very lucky. Yeah, things ran for them so much last season. Uh, you know, we've said we've said that can't happen two seasons in a row, and it can't. I mean, so that happened on Sunday, Absolutely but not, it, no. it can't happen two seasons in a row, and it won't. Just to uh, just to address this handball thing, I mean, what they've brought us in line with the other major leagues in Europe, and. Uh, and how the handball law is is interpreted and enforced. I mean, speaking to just people in and around football over the last few days, it seems almost universal that the vast majority of people don't agree with with the way that, that it's going. They recognise that it's the interpretation of the of the law. I mean, I saw quite an interesting tweet earlier today, and I think it was from Alex Hurst, but I'm not sure. Maybe for someone else. But he was saying about VAR, and 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 with this is, it's not. Uh, the the law is an issue, but also it's was it clear and obvious on if you've got to look at it yeah. several. I mean, it, the, how long did the decision take on Sunday? It was about three or four minutes, and then the referee yeah. went across and looked. That that's where I've got the problem with these sorts of things as well. Is if it becomes so minute that we're just checking over and over and over again, that's not a clear and obvious error. It's not something. Um, and so yeah, I mean, there's going to be endless debate about this, and there's talk that this morning some of the newspapers it's going to be watered down and they're not going to be as stringent with it which I think would probably be to everyone's benefit because otherwise I, I do agree with those people who say that you're probably going to see some players almost deliberately aim for the armour defenders if they get yeah. close and in the box I was trying to think back to when we've actually had to, use, had, to, had to talk about VAR on this podcast and in the kind of over a year since we've started doing this I could only think of one instance where VAR has actually been involved with Newcastle. I mean, there's probably more with regards to red cards and offsides and stuff like that. But one where it was a big decision was the Sheffield United goal uh, yeah. by with the John Joe Shelby goal. And I, I just remember thinking everyone seems to be talking about VAR every week and we never seem to mention it on here. And is that I don't know why that is. Is that just because Newcastle don't attack enough to actually have any VAR decisions go our way? I don't know what it is. It's, well, it's actually, for the, for the first FA Cup game uh, of, this, of last season... Uh, which was at Rochdale, I was it was floated as an idea that because it was going to be Premier League teams going to grounds without VAR and Newcastle yeah. are one of those grounds, could it could could we do what's it like not having VAR? And I basically argued back and I said, Well apart I wasn't at the Sheffield United game, George was there. And the, yeah. basically, as you say, there wasn't really a VAR incident. So it's like I'm gonna be arguing about something where Newcastle haven't really been on the positive or negative receiving end of this beyond that one decision. So it's not really been strange, a big talking it? point for us. It's strange, it's such a polarizing topic in football at the minute, VAR and, and how the rules are implemented and we, we just sails over our heads we don't really care it's mad wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size the styles you liked and everything at the price you want well stitch fix is a company focused on doing just that it's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple it's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you i don't know about you lads but my style in the last few years has gone to a 38 year old dad who has given up on life and essentially just buys whatever's nearest I don't know about you, George. Are you are you a stylish man, George? I think you are quite a stylish man, aren't you? Oh, incredibly stylish, yeah. 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 It's He's become really elegant. my personal shopper as well. Well, it's true, I have actually. Become a, I have to reject George to, to, to join Stitch Fix, but I am willing to do that. George has given me a coat which he ordered, which was too small for him. And then as I took it off him, he said, oh, so now at least you have something which is stylish, which I was a little <laughs> bit offended by. But at the same time, my sister would probably agree with him, so... 
Well, anyone with eyes would agree with me. Chris, you do dress like a 1970s Freemason, so, you know. We'll... That's, that's think... the look I'm going for. That's good. Okay, well, you've definitely got it, mate. Well done. Uh, to get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic to set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. Uh, you pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Deliveries and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back the items that aren't right for you. Chris, has George given you an option to send back that uh, that jacket if it's no good? No, he just used a lot of expletives when I said that. I'm take it away. <laughs> good stuff. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Right, we're going to move on here. Um, Joe Grant has asked, um, how bad do you think things would need to get for Steve Bruce to go? Uh, obviously, it's very early, and one loss, one win, and a draw doesn't seem to be an awful start, but the quality of football has been dreadful. Does that matter at all, or is it all about just staying in the league? George, what do we reckon? Well, did you see Mike Ashley clapping the team off at Spurs? We did. <laughs> I think yeah, that's your I answer, mean, isn't it? <laughs> so... Uh, Yes. It, okay, fine. So if, if I say three games is yes, way too early, people will then point back to the to the run this calendar year. That's fair enough. I don't think that's something the club will particularly take much notice of, bearing in mind Bruce has had a uh, pivotal role in who they've brought in this season. They're not a sacking club. They, that's just not the way they operate under Ashley. If you look at historically what they've done, uh, they persevered with McLaren for way too long. They persevered for John Carver wait, while they waited for McLaren far too long. They perse- persevered with Alan Pardew way beyond the point that he'd lost the crowd, lost fans. And, you know, Pardew brought it back a bit, but his relationship with the fans was gone. So, yeah. and we're talking about, a, we're talking about an, a time when there aren't fans casting judgment in the stadium at mm. the moment. And they just won't do it. They will not do it. So people can people can have this debate themselves, um, and that's and that's fine. But I mean, even if you go back to Rafa, they didn't blink when Newcastle were starting seasons really, really badly. I think the only time that that they would seek to change it would be if Ashley's investment is 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 in jeopardy and you can also argue that he hasn't acted in at those points in the past either or if he has it's been sort of too late i think it's slightly different this season because of the takeover because of the fact he is desperate to get out and we've had that sort of narrative around the club for so long maybe that would focus minds a little bit but if you know it's 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 just not on the agenda uh for the foreseeable future it's worth uh, it's worth bringing up actually as well. Talking about the ownership of the club, we uh, all three of us were involved in uh, another athletic podcast, which was a three part. A podcast documentary called Beyond the Headline. Uh, it was uh, hosted by Adam Leventhal, and it was a, a fantastic look back at the Mike Ashley era. Uh, we were all involved. Chris, how did you find that? I, th- I thought it was a great listen. I listened to it all in one go yesterday, and I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I mean, I'd say great listen, but I wouldn't refer to it as fantastic as you did. Not in terms of the, all of the coverage <laughs> behind it was and the way it's put together yeah. by Muddy Knees Media, but listening to 
to 13 years of Mike Ashley again wasn't uh, wasn't something I'd describe as was, fantastic. No, it was depressing. It was a, it was a fantastic product. Put it that way. That's yes. Oh no, it, it, it really <laughs> did sound brilliant. I mean, because I've had people messaging me saying, "Oh, brilliant, well done." So, well, I, basically, yeah. I got called and interviewed for like 45 minutes. That that was my contribution. I Same didn't, here, yeah. I didn't put together the vast majority of it. It's all of the team at uh, Muddy Knees Media, and then obviously Adam Leventhal who does the commentary over the top. So yeah, I think it's brilliant. I'd definitely recommend a listen. Absolutely. And if you want to listen to that, uh, you can search Beyond the Headline uh, on your usual podcast platform and you should find that in there. Um, you can also find one of the episodes on the Pod on the Time feed as well. If you're not sure about that, you want to have a little check it out first and see how it sounds and you can listen to that on there. George, how did you find that as well? How did you find the Beyond the Headline doc? Did you enjoy doing it? Well, I, same with Chris. No, I didn't enjoy <laughs> yeah. doing it at all because it feels like all I do is talk about how shit Newcastle are. So, yeah. um, but we do that every week, though. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So it was more. So no, I didn't Boston's enjoy it. Holiday. However, I mean, I do think. I mean, I'm certainly interested to know what Newcastle fans thought of it, and obviously we're a Newcastle yeah. pod, so that's who's going to be listening to us talk about it. But I think I hope that it'll be sort of more valuable in some way, uh, some ways to a non-Newcastle audience because you know we're we know we know what's happened over the last 13 years and more uh we're probably sick of explaining it but it sometimes feels that people outside the region don't don't necessarily listen this was a podcast that hopefully everybody will be listening to and if it does nothing else i hope it sort of means that there might be a little bit more sort of empathy from others to to what it's like to be around newcastle over the past over the past decade and if you want to check out any of the other content on theathletic.com at the minute as well, you can sign up uh, with theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you pay just £1 a month for all that lovely content, the best football writing in the business and all the wonderful podcasts and everything else that goes with it. Get yourself on theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. And as we're talking about the ownership, uh, and things like that going forward. Let's have a couple of questions on that. Mark Jones has asked, what's the sudden problem with talking about the takeover, Mark Jones? I don't know. And what's happening with the takeover? George, can you give us an update? Is there anything there? Well, hi, Mark. Thank you. I'm not sure what you mean by problem with talking about the takeover. I mean, I don't have any problem talking about it. It's just that there isn't really much to talk about <laughs> yeah. at the moment. And we have talked about it a lot. There were we've had we've had two sort of huge things there was the first uh, bid which was accepted and then got stuck with the premier league as we all know about and that that then broke down there was then this takeover mark 2 which was uh sort of the, the the kind of political involvement that involved lots of ferrying between the premier league and the buyers and the sellers close contact between Ashley and Amanda Staveley's group again, and that feeling that they'd got to a point where, if not answered the Premier League's questions, then then proved that the things that the Premier League wanted to have happen or be found out that they had good legal arguments or that they'd received assurances from the Saudi state. Now, there was then that disagreement, dispute. Uh, it didn't happen. Ashley through Newcastle released that statement. Premier League then released a statement, and then the latest thing is Mike Ashley hiring or or taking on lawyers to look at the case. That's where we're at. I mean, that is where we're at. So if the first part of it was just the takeover, you know, takeover version one, which the second part of it was political, and that didn't work, and now the third part is legal. And so that is where things stand. It's it's now reached a, a legal element. Has Staveley and the group disappeared, gone away forever? No, they're still very much on the scene. And they're 
they're part of what's happening at the moment is anything happening on a daily basis no it's just not like that so if if there is going to be any sort of resolution we're talking weeks 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 and so are we making a point of not talking about it no we're not doing that on purpose it's just that there's nothing to say mm. um so at some point the legal uh, the legal machinations have to take a step further take a step closer i think i said at the time the the idea at this point uh, from what I've been told, is that they want to force the Premier League to make a decision. So at the moment, we're still stuck in this position where the Premier League are saying, you haven't done what we asked you to do, and therefore the takeover can't progress any further. Now, that is not an official reje rejection. However, it effectively means the same thing. It means that the takeover can't go ahead as things stand. What the buyers yeah. want to do, what Ashley wants to happen, is for a decision to be given for for the takeover to be rejected that's because if the takeover is then rejected officially they can appeal it and yep. they think they can win it on appeal but as i say that is a considerable way down the line there's no point just saying the same thing over and over and over and over again so thanks for the question but we're not we're not of course we're not avoiding, we're not avoiding it, it are we <laughs> no okay uh moving on we're going to start uh wind things up here we've got a few more little silly questions to get through before we finish uh thanks a lot everyone who was who has got involved today as well and who sent questions in uh and, and thank you for, to everyone who's listening as well um Gemma lawson has asked and this is a really important question we need to get this in what is the best crumpet topping in your opinion george uh fabian shaw excellent yeah chris sausage I mean, sausage is brilliant on anything, but cr crumpet. I think, I, and this is this is the thing that my uh, grandma always has on Christmas. She always put we always have uh, crumpets and pikelets and croissants on Christmas morning, and she always has patty out. And patty on a crumpet is delicious. Oh, get away with your patty on a crumpet! Patty on a crumpet! No, yes, patty on a croissant. Dirty patty on a croissant. You don't put patty. You don't put Honestly, patty on the croissant. You put it on the crumpet. Hell, Chris. No, it's just. I'm sorry. The correct oh. answer is just butter. Anyway. Melted Chris, butter. I'm sorry, but nice with, crumpet as well. with the greatest respect to your family tradition, that is bullshit. Chris, you can't put you can't put meat on absolutely everything. Yet you have to understand. I mean, that I, try, I, mean I do try my very best as much to as do you that, want so. to, Chris. For God's sake, stop you, putting meat on things. When you, you when you get up in the morning, do you shower in mince? <laughs> oh, unbelievable! <laughs> oh God Almighty! Um, if Chris is on sausages, which he always is, and Steve Bruce is on bacon, what are you both on, Taylor and George? My guess is Taylor for eggs and George for beans. Let the listeners know. Obviously, the, the important questions are getting answered here. So, George, if Chris is on sausage and Bruce is on bacon, what are you on? I mean, you're you're a Gosforth lad, aren't you? Sort of well, I think some sort I'm, of fucking avocado on toast. I'd imagine if it was you. I think Stephen's on drugs. Asking this <laughs> question. Um, no, I don't. I wouldn't be on beans. I don't know why. Why would you think I was on beans? I'm. I'm sort of interested in that. No, I don't really think. Is it because bean... you're very gaseous? Is that what it is? Well, I don't think beans really have a place on. Oh. on, on... No, I don't. I'm what? sorry. Hush your, hush your dirty mouth, honestly. No, I, if I what I want, if I'm having this, I, I beans would are like. Wonderful. No, I, I, I've, I don't really see the. No, I don't. I don't like. I don't like them. What Come I want then. is it's not. I don't like them. I do like them. I, beans on toast, fine. I just don't want them on a breakfast. I just mm. I think that's kind of wrong. I don't think potatoes should be on a breakfast either. I, I mean, I know they're not always, but I want fried eggs, soft in the middle, crispy around the outside. I want very crisp bacon. I want a grilled tomato. Mm, uh, 
Maybe that was mm. it. That maybe a sausage. Well, that grilled maybe tomato sausage. Will go in the fucking bin yeah, for me. Where's part of a breakfast? Um, no, that's, gonna... that takes the. Pl- Hang on, I haven't finished yet. Um, I don't <laughs> oh, know. Maybe, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll be. Maybe I'll be black pudding. Oh, you bastard! That's what I was going to say. Oh, Jesus! Right, that spoiled that. Anyway, okay. Uh, and <laughs> on a similar theme, if Steve Bruce were a kind of sausage. What kind of sausage would he be? Uh, just monster? a really sort of. What monster have we created with this? Sausage? Eric Brown, uh, a very, a very straightforward pork sausage, I would say, probably Asda, smart price, something like that. I mean, I think it would be pure meat, whatever it was. <laughs> pure meat. I'm not sure <laughs> if be it's no beef. Rusk in there, would there? No, I'm not sure if it's if it's pork, if it's beef. I'm not entirely sure, but it's definitely 100% meat. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. We've talked enough shit. Uh, thanks very much, everybody, for listening and everyone for uh, getting involved and sending the questions. Uh, make sure you get on the athletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod uh, and check out the Beyond the Headline uh, podcast as well that we were all involved in. Uh, just one pound a month at the moment. Sign up for a subscription to the Athletic and read all of that wonderful, wonderful content. Thank you, George and Chris, yet again, for answering some of those utterly ridiculous questions. Thanks a lot, lads. Cheers, Taylor. Lovely stuff. Stay safe, everyone. Yes, absolutely. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. Wear your masks. Don't be a dick. We'll be back very, very soon. Speak to you in a little while. Bye-bye.